0: Hello and welcome back to Stories RPG. This is going to be another episode of Right Light. And I have with me today, Daniel Hines. Oh, hello there. (laughs) He sounded like you were just like, you just wandered in off the street. Oh, hello there.
1: I did. I've just come in off the street and I'm here to record
0: a podcast, sir. Excellent. Do you have coffee or tea? Are you ready to get uh, comfy? I'm ready to go. Right on. Well, I'm Michael Lowe, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about world building today. I wanted to share with you, I know you guys are used to hearing about worlds that Dan's made or that I've made, but today I wanted to share with you something really special. I wanted to show you some of the worlds that my students have made. And these are worlds that anybody could have made and that with a little bit of work, you can make yourself. So I'm going to share with you some world building tools at the end of the episode, which you can download from our Patreon or from storiesrpg.com, and I'm going to walk you through how these worlds got created and what makes them cool and special. Let's get into it. Alright, so Dan, we have talked before about building worlds and sort of some of the important things that you might want to do when you're building a
1: world. Yeah, when you talk about building a world, like world building in terms of like writing and also game design, what do you what do you mean by that? Why don't you explain that for the, for the listeners here? So I love
0: a world, and this is really important to telling stories collaboratively, that starts with a few inspiring lore seeds, and then... Usually what I like to do is I like to ask a few questions to get things decided. So the important things about where and when and and what's interesting about a given setting
1: are really key
0: to determine so that everybody's on the same page.
1: So when you say world building, it's basically the setting of the story.
0: Yeah, exactly. The setting, the the, the
1: setting in the larger sense of the the place and the time and the factions and the whole the whole background of the story.
0: Yeah. So, well, so I have a series of questions that I like to ask. And I think they kind of get to what I think is important about a setting. Um, There's a few things you need to know when you start telling a story. And they're things like, what is the mood of our story? So, is this going to be heroic adventure? Is it going to be silly and fun? Is it going to be serious and meaningful? Is it going to be about adventure and wonder? If you don't know those things, you might get one person being like, I want to tell a hardcore story about punching people and another person who's like, I want to have cozy tea parties. And you'd end up with a lot of like uh, discomfort at the table. Yeah. People getting punched at tea parties. Exactly. I mean, I mean, if you want to do a punching tea party, it's possible. And sometimes the best games come from precisely those kind of weird disconnects and figuring out how to make those two things fit in the same story can lead to really innovative and inspiring stories and be awesome. So like, you know punchy tea party could be could be an awesome setting that you could totally roll with if you were into it all right so in order to start uh figuring out a setting along with other people this works by yourself but it also works when you're working with other people there's a few questions that i like to have my players take turn answering and i laid these out very very specifically because they help you come up with answers that everyone can sort of use as an anchor for the story anytime you want to create something new check it against the answers to these questions and you'll know whether it fits into your story and whether it will will really work. The first one, the mood of your tale, you need to know what kind of a mood you want. And everybody has to kind of agree on that because, you know, punchy, punchy tea party might work, but a lot of people who are into tea parties might be like, you know what, I don't want to punch. And a lot of people who are into punching might be like, I'm not into tea. So you want to make sure that you negotiate that and agree together because the story belongs to all of you. Another one that I like is the unique power in our world is. So, example, Starsworn, right? Magic from the stars. Giga City Guardians, superpowers. Um, some of them, giant robots. Everybody pilots one. Uh, incredibly advanced technology. Weird goblin
1: magic. You can go lots of ways with this, yes? Oh, absolutely. There's no, no end to the uh, wild world building.
0: No. And then I always like to have, uh, one of the first ones that I like to ask is, our world is... Um, and I use in the far future, modern day, in the historical past, a fantasy world. This is just to get people in the same genre, right? Are we going to be talking high tech? Are we going to be talking uh, you know, swords and sorcery? That's sort of an important thing to establish um, just right from the get-go. Where is this happening, right?
1: Sure. And again, all this will apply uh, when you're making your own worlds, you know, in private writing for games. Either way, these questions are good to ask yourself when you're sitting down to to get up the setting for your story.
0: Amen. Yeah. And another one that I like to add, which is a really to me, this is like a fun one to help you inspire the later storytelling. One legend is and that's a that's a good one for setting up a mystery. Uh, There was an ancient apocalypse. Something long sleeping will awaken. Something strange haunts the prom. Great for a you know a school drama. There aren't any unicorns left. That's a legend, right? But maybe it's not true. Maybe you're going to find the unicorns. This is a way to plant a sort of larger arc. And if you get creative figuring out what the legend is, then that that sort of shapes the storytelling as you move forward. Um, another one is, and this one's there's two more that I like to think of as key. One's called one's the source of drama. What's the source of drama? You have to know, right? So example, the source of drama is, we're students at a new school. That's legit drama. Um, we search for the same secrets. Um, or another source of drama could be, we're, uh, we're on the run from those who hunt us. Whatever it is, this is what sponsors a lot of the scene-to-scene drama. So example, in Star Sworn, the drama is... This, this magic from the stars has caused chaos. There's a lot of people who are using it for nefarious ends. In Giga City Guardians, it's entirely uh, based around dealing with the consequences of superpowers. Um, in Luna Uni, the source of drama is the weirdness of the world and the fact that these kids have been sort of sent off to, uh, to a weird planet on their own. Each of them, there's a built-in, uh, a built-in piece. Partners in Grime, the drama all comes from the weirdness of, of being goblins and having to hide out from humans. So you got to know your source of drama. You want to have like a mystery or a secret. You want to know where and when the world is. You want to know uh, where what the unique powers. If you're doing something that is you know not standard, everyday Earth, right? You want to want want to know what those unique powers are, and then you want to know your theme. Your, your mood, the thing that you want to center in your storytelling, whether it's friendship and finding belonging or pranking and weirdness, you want to know what the, the story is going to kind of center around. One more that you can throw in there is we come together because it's good at the beginning of a story to think about the reasons that the characters all have to come together, because if they're not, you know, example. Partners in Grime. They're all members of the same, the same crew. They're the same tribe of goblins. So there's a good reason for them to be hanging out. Starsworn, why did they come together? Well, because they needed to face off with all these, these strange powers. And they were friends from before. That was already set up in Max Goodname, right? Or Luna Uni, why did they come together? Because they all did, did stuff that got them in trouble with the council, right? So it's good to have a reason at the beginning of your, your story to bring the different characters together and give them a sort of common goal that will unite them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's super pivotal when you're playing games with a big group because you want the group to have a reason to travel together in the fiction as well as just for the reason that you're playing a game together. So, of course, you want to stay together. But if there's an in-story reason, obviously, that's even better. And uh, again, carry it through to your own writing. If you're writing something, you know, any kind of fiction or whatever, it always pays to think why these characters would stick together, why they are together, just make things organic. And by organic, I mean uh, like real, like make them feel like real people and kind of asking these questions and seeing, especially that last one of like, why are they together is an important one to have an answer for when you're uh, setting your characters along on the story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing worse than having a bunch of characters who are all have very different needs and they're all like, yeah, I don't see any reason for my character to hang out with everybody else. And then all of a sudden you're telling five different stories, not one. And that can work if you're working on your own. Generally, if you're doing a collaborative storytelling process where you're working with other people and playing a game, boy, that gets that gets old real
1: fast. All right. So. Those are the rules, and we know we know Star, so we know the game things that we've done, but uh, I wanted to hear some about uh, how these rules have helped your students make stuff. Like, what kind of weird worlds have they cooked up here? Oh,
0: wow. Um, so, okay, at the beginning of every one of my classes, I let students uh, vote for their setting, and usually I give them uh, a, a range. I have about 12 different settings. There's a whole bunch that we haven't even touched yet. Uh, Crossroads Academy, aka Transdimensional High, that's one world that they're in. Partners in Grime is one of them. Um, there's also stuff like Beast Preservation Corps. And what we do is when they vote, they're allowed to vote as many times as they like, but they have to agree on the world. Because one thing you want to do when you're telling a story is you want everyone to commit. In the cases where we've had like two hardcore like factions and the kids are like, no, I want this one. And another set of kids are like, no, I want this one. I'll offer the option for a mashup. And so the mashups sometimes become the most inspiring. So I wanted to share uh, two of those. And then, uh, actually, I have three mashups, and then one that's completely new that uh, a group of kids is actually currently playing at the moment, and they've been making this amazing story, so I wanted to share that with everyone. Uh, I'll give you the titles, and you can tell me which of these you want to hear about. There is Rebel Goblins. There's Beast Worlds. There's Windrunners of the Silent Sea. And then there's Gem Rebels.
1: Oh, well, what's the Windrunners? That one is the most evocative title.
0: (laughs) That one was amazing. When they came up. like, we just built this world, I guess, like, three weeks ago. We've been playing it for, like, four, and it's become one of my favorite worlds. It's really exciting. So, yeah, how did they build it? Yeah, so we started with those same questions, and one of the first questions that they answered in Windrunners was the question where are we? Like what kind of a world? And the first thing that they came up with was they wanted something that felt kind of piratey. So they wanted ships. And I was like, okay, ships are fun. Piratey is fun. And I'm like, are we talking fantasy pirate or are we talking like standard pirate? And I guess they'd seen the live action one piece because the kid was like, I want fantasy pirate. I want flying ships. And we all went, ooh. And immediately we're like, okay, flying ships, we're in. So we started with flying ships being the cool thing about this world. When I asked about source of drama, a kid answered, like this kid, and this is a, he's, he's a great storyteller. He was an amazing storyteller and, and, and did, like, played a real main role in the last game that he was in, which was also cool Knights of the Microbiome. They played little tiny microbes defending the body. Um, but he got stuck. And I was like, I was giving him options, and, and he was just like, mm, I don't know. It's mm, struggling with it. And I said, what about if that's the problem? Silence. And one of the kids goes, That's the that's the problem. The problem is the silence. And we all went, ooh. So Windrunners of the Silent Seas, we took flying ships and this concept of something called the silence. And we created this world where all the peoples live on these huge trees that break the surface of this cloud cover that is known only as the silence. And the silence is this mist. It's this cloud. And if you fall into the silence, if you go below the silence, you disappear. You make not a sound. And when we came to the question of legend, like what's one legend about this this world? The legend was, and this is another kid came up with this, the silence rises at night and falls during the day. And a few years ago, the silence rose and absorbed some of the cities on the lower branches of these giant trees. And so the worry is that the silence is going to rise again. So these trees are called the piercers because they pierce through the silence. And the players, the question of why do we come together, right? What's the, what's the goal? The answer was these flying ships are called windrunners. And the people who crew them are also called windrunners. And the reason they have to fly on these ships is There are these massive fruits that grow on these enormous trees. These trees have like these huge branches where people have entire cities built. And the only way to feed all the people who are able to live on these piercers is they have to fly down because these fruits, these massive fruits grow on the piercers right next to the edge of the silence. So this is the drama again, right? So they have to crew these ships, fly down to these enormous fruits And then they have this difficult business. They have to wait till the fruit is ripe, but that means it's about to snap off its stem. They have to fly these ships right up next to the fruit, jump off, and hack hunks out of this, and then get them on board the ship without unbalancing the ship and without knocking the fruit free. And of course, all the while, this cloud cover, the silence is kind of wisping and lapping at their feet. So there's this innate danger. And then another question I often ask is what are the factions in this world that have friction? In other words, are there any groups that kind of like are chafing at each other? You don't have to create villains, you can just create tension between groups, right? They created a group of mages called wind movers. No one can fly except the wind movers, who are the ones who create the wind runner ships that fly. And the wind movers are the ones who give the windrunners their ships so they can go fly down and they are not kind. So if you disobey them or if you mess with them, they will block off your section of the tree and not give you any share of the fruit. Um, so they're very dangerous. And so there's already this idea of rebellion in this, in this world that they've created. And that's definitely where the story has gone. Um, they've also created all sorts of wonderful creatures, flying giraffes was a concept that I was like, I don't know if we can do that. And then somebody came up with a beautiful pterodactyl-like picture of a flying giraffe. And I was like, okay, I'm in. So um, it's been a world that's been evolving very rapidly. There's all this mystery about like, what's below the silence? And like, are those other cities still down there? What happens to you if you get swallowed by the silence? And a lot of them have decided that they're like humanoid animal characters. There's a lot of like, what they call zooanthropes like you know humanoid humanoid animals so there's this idea of maybe maybe this is like earth but like everyone's mutated maybe the silence is what creates people changes people so there's a lot of mystery involved and their characters are definitely on the edge of figuring things out
1: i think the mystery is a good part of world building right like if the world has an inherent mystery then that gives you a lot of mileage. Like it's something the characters can work on. It's something the overarching plot can work on. I mean, and I would say it's it's different, right? So if you're doing a game, like you guys are playing a game, it's perfectly fine and sometimes, or oftentimes even better to not have those answers, right? Like it's more fun to kind of work with the storyteller and figure out it as it goes. But I will caution you, if you're writing for yourself, it's usually better to have an answer up front because if you plant something like that, I mean, it's okay to have that idea, but before you start writing it, you should have kind of the solution too. otherwise you end up, um, I always think of the old show lost. Mm. It's just like, you can write mysteries and if you write mysteries that don't actually have an answer, you'll never be able to give them a satisfying conclusion. That's
0: a, that's a great example.
1: Yeah. So if you're not, if you're writing for yourself, you're writing for an audience, you know, try to have those answers. But if you're writing for a game, you're going to play then yeah, come up with the answers as a group. Very different, very fun.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think um, part of that's because when you're playing the game, you're really playing two roles. You're both an author and you're also a character. And, you know, when you read a good book, figuring out the mysteries and having those surprises and twists is part of the fun, right? So that's part of the fun of the game, too, is when those weird, strange things happen. And you're like, what? No. (sighs) Um, But... If you are writing the game, you should have an idea of where it's going. And so what I like to do is I like to talk to my, my students about you know telling a story on two levels. There's really two, I think in every good story, there's really two levels at which the story occurs. One of them, especially in like fantasy and science fiction, one of them is the story of the setting. It's the story of the world. What is beneath the silence? How did the silence come about? How did the wind movers get into power? These are the questions that are for the larger plot. The other story that's happening is the story of the characters. How do they get along? How do they meet each other? What does each character need and want? Why are they compelled to interact with this world story of figuring out what's beneath the silence? What in their own, their own history has brought them to that point? So that's a reason that I really love um, playing the game because I like not knowing, but I also like finding out together. So I do think writing to find out can be lots of fun. And I agree, though, that sometimes you can write yourself into a corner. And I think Lost is the perfect example. For those of you out there who have never seen the show, um, it's definitely not for kids. But it, it sets up a mysterious island where these people have crash landed and there seem to be monsters and a group of other people who are very shady. And the problem is the people who wrote it clearly didn't think it was going to go for more than one season. So when they eventually came up with the answer to what all had happened, it was really unsatisfying and kind of lame. And a lot of a lot of people who loved the show were like, oh, at the end, because the lore drop wasn't wasn't up to all the anticipation and mystery that had been built. It's a risky run when you play around with this stuff.
1: All right. Let's go through one more of your worlds from your students that you've uh, kind of made up with those questions. huh? Okay,
0: Um, well, I'll give you one that was a, a really fun mashup. This one was a mashup between Partners and Grime and a game that I've been calling, uh, and this is, not a, this is not an official name, it's just the, the sort of working name, Rimworld Rebels. It's a game about uh, people trying to overthrow a galactic empire that's sort of old and, and, uh, and unfair and, and needs to be changed. So they combined a goblin game with a, uh, with a rebellion game in the future. And so we asked some questions like, Central is scared of. So we decided there's this, you know, first things first, right? In this world, there's this central government called Central, you know, for lack of a better name. And the question was, what are they scared of? And the answer that the kids gave was the destructive genius of goblins. They have a technological inspiration and power and destructive instincts that make them sort of the ultimate saboteurs. They can... Build, break, or modify anything. And the next question was, goblins live in. And this one was so great. They came up with this. They're like, well, Central has us on a planet that they've isolated us on. They don't want us to like be able to leave. So they don't let us have any tech. And so we talked about what kind of world should this be? And the answer was a world called Sunshine Paradise, which was a perfect nature preserve that was intended as like a... Uh, like a playground, like an amusement park for the ultra rich. And every like creature there was adorable and sweet and beautiful and smelled nice and cotton candy birds. And, and of course for goblins, this is sort of like the ultimate terrible, awful place to be marooned because they're into grossness and weirdness and, and pranking. So this was a, it was a wonderful setup to create a drive, right? Immediately you knew the goblins wanted to get off. And uh, we went from there. Um, turns out that uh, Central would would send these drones, these probes, to go and scan the goblins, and occasionally abduct one for you know research purposes. And the the players ended up figuring out how to sabotage one of these drones. They brought it down and they re- rewired it to get it into a to turn it into a spaceship and took off. And the the rest of the game consisted of. They had to figure out where they were going. They were getting chased by, by spaceships from Central. They landed in a planet full of trolls and got chased through the streets by the agents of Central. And they did some really cool world building, too, in asking, you know, where's, this, where's Central's base? Central had its base in this massive um, space creature that looked vaguely humanoid. And they lived inside and on top of it. And that was where they did all of their nefarious doings. And it was a very, you know, frightening and and bizarre sort of setup. And uh, they even had characters who weren't goblins. Like um, one of them was a massive sort of mutated creature who was designed for combat, but was actually really sweet. And so he looked terrifying, but was just looking for friends. And he ended up being adopted by the goblins who sort of saved him. And, you know, we created these wonderful storylines where these kids were like these goblins were both bonding with each other and they built a lot of great goblin culture. Um, But anyway, it ended with them uh, finding their way to a interdimensional bazaar because they were looking for special components and they were also looking for a way home. That was one big thing is they wanted to find the goblin homeworld because they'd been taken from the goblin homeworld and put on this prison planet. And they were wondering, you know, can we find our home? And what happened to the rest of the goblins, so it was a really awesome setting, and it came out of combining these two ideas, this futuristic rebellion plus the you know <laughs> the chaos and the prankishness and the 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 power of and the weirdness of goblins, and mashing them together and uh, and then asking a few follow up questions about what that meant for the world
1: yeah, so you had a couple rebels games they the Rebels is a popular one. I think I think that's just part of the setting, being the underdog kind of coming up. It's just appealing. Kind of Rebels work in any setting, right? Star Wars, you got some sci-fi Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings, you certainly have some uh, fantasy Rebels. Uh, yeah, it just Rebels are a common theme. Yeah, I think, um,
0: I mean, I believe strongly that everybody likes to play. I mean, this is true, right? Everybody likes a story about an underdog. Somebody who has to kind of like deal with uh, a greater power or a greater force. So rebellion is like one way to do it. I, you know, I think of goblins as being sort of the ultimate counterculture punks. That's the way I always tell my stories about them. They're the ones who are uh, relentless and shameless about not being into the way humans do things. Um, but you know, you can do this in a lot of different ways. I have, um, so I know on Stories Podcast, some of you may have heard Transdimensional High. I've been calling that Crossroads Academy in my head, but that's another one where, you know, the, the, the players are put into the position of sort of um, misfits. They're a bunch of monsters from all different dimensions, and they're having to deal with all the awkwardness of school and whether they want to fit into the rules and how. Um, so I think, you know, a little bit of, of sort of punk rock edge is always critical. Uh, that's where sort of Luna Uni came from too. Like, what do you do with all the misfits who just don't follow the rules? Because they're they're innately and inherently fun. Part of fantasy and science fiction is always uh, getting a chance to play somebody who doesn't have to do everything the way that the way that society expects them to. You know, we all of us spend a lot of time in our regular lives, kind of you know fitting in and figuring out how to do what the right thing is, and not always doing what the crazy thing is, and. It's really fun in a story to get to break out of that and play some wild, funky, rebellious, shameless characters who can uh, who can you know push the limits a little.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely the appeal of goblins. I I, I love a good goblin. I, you know, I love. We've we've had a long history of goblins on a stories podcast as well. And
0: you have. I, I've. They're we, just great. We've listened to every one of those goblin stories and loved them. My son and I. So She does
1: a good goblin song.
0: I mean, I have to say. Goblins have been a huge theme in pretty much all of my storytelling since I was very small, since I started playing role-playing games, which was like 11 years old. And somehow they've become my perfect fantasy. Fidget from Crossroads Academy is sort of my, my, my goblin alter ego. And he's, he's taught me a lot. Like he's, He definitely gives me a, a chance to flex a little and figure out who I'd be with a lot of my rules gone.
1: All right. So why don't, um, before we go, why don't you break down those questions one more time, just real quick and then tell people where they can find them too, if they want to use them for their writing. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: again, those questions are first off our world is, and I don't like to frame them as questions. I have like a fill in the blank mentality, the same way with the character sheets. So our world is, when is it, you know, what is it like one legend is that's the mystery, right? We come together because why do your characters, why are your characters together? The unique power in our world is, this is sort of like, what, what's the thing that makes this particular setting weird or wonderful? The mood of our tale will be, this is, what do we want to feel when we're playing? Is this going to be dark and serious? Is this going to be funny and lighthearted? And then, of course, uh, one source of drama is, and this could be conflict between groups. This could be you know a mystery that needs exploring. There's a lot of possibilities here. And uh, yeah, this is another one-page boost for the Stories RPG game, which you can find uh, on storiesrpg.com. You can also get all of the games we've got so far, Partners in Grime, Starsworn, Giga City Guardians, on uh, patreon.com backslash storiesrpg. And you can, you can download the, the one-page, it's, it's two sides, but one-page world-building prompts um, there too. And then, um, if you're interested in building these worlds, there's another round of classes coming up next week at luckoflegends.com. You can go there, sign up. Uh, There's still some spots left. And uh, yeah, I would love to see you there. And please build worlds together, it's super fun. It gives you a chance to really flex your creativity and really think in innovative ways. And I think, you know, as much as we fall in love with fandom, you know, and you might fall in love with other people's worlds. You have the power to create worlds of your own. And those ones stick with you, I think, far more deeply and far longer than any worlds that, you know, you get from someone else.
1: Check it all out. Storiesrpg.com, patreon.com slash stories, luckalegends.com for those writing classes. It's all there. Everybody's gonna love it. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Luna Uni. And then after that, I think um we're not sure maybe a little goblin interlude we're going to see how things play out with the timing definitely back to giga city maybe on the goblin interlude we'll see how well, it goes wait a minute wait a
0: minute let's just make clear that to everyone at home there will be giga city coming in november along with a printed copy of the giga city guardians book which will include the first story arc in the game and also this new story arc which i don't want to give away too many things but but yeah we have things planned and i'm excited
1: All right. I'm excited too. And I hope to see you all there. Much love, everybody. Bye. Bye.